I think most of us would say that we don't particularly like thunderstorms. We see the gathering of thick dark clouds as an ominous sign of bad things to come. We hear the loud noise of thunder for the first time and it physically stops us in our tracks. Our ears become pricked waiting for the next roll of thunder to come. And when we see the lightning bolts flashing down from the sky, our fear levels increase all the more and we worry whether or not the next flash of lightning will come anywhere close to us. And then of course there is all the torrential rain and the downpour which can quickly cause flash flooding. No wonder for many thunderstorms are not something to be enjoyed and we're pleased to see them gone. And when a thunderstorm hits, most of us would not want to be outside in the thick of it. But in Psalm 29, this is exactly where we find David, outside, in the eye of the storm. And the one he is experiencing is an absolute belter. Fear may well have gripped David, but as he looks upon the scene, he finds himself simply being in awe of what he is witnessing. And in the power of the storm, his desire is to simply praise God and to recognise and acknowledge the fullness of God's mighty and majestic power. And as the storm continues to rage all around him, he sees within it something of the glory of the Lord and the voice of the Lord, speaking, as it were, to the whole earth, his very creation. Before Jenny shares some thoughts on the glory of the Lord, I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts on the voice of the Lord, something to which David refers to seven times in Psalm 29. Firstly, David says that the voice of the Lord is over the raging and thunderous waters. Raging seas in the Bible are often presented as a metaphor for raging and warring nations. The seemingly powerful and uncontrollable waves crashing into each other, relentlessly pounding anything and everything in their way causing chaos and destruction. The picture is accurate, isn't it? When we look at our world today, nations continuously at war with each other, pounding each other with their waves of violence, death and destruction. And the aftermath always seems very, very bleak. And sadly, there never seems to be an end in sight. But yes, sometimes we do have still waters for a while. But it isn't long, is it, before the waves rise again and the raging and thunderous waters create yet more chaos and harm as nation seeks vengeance on nation. It can seem like these things are never ending. But notice what David says. He says the voice of the Lord is over the raging and thunderous waters. I think David is reminding us that throughout all the storms of life, God is in control. And he is over all of them. Psalm 93 confirms this to us. The psalmist could say, The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, and mightier than the breaks of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. These words, the very word of God, the voice of God to us, let them be our confidence and assurance and that he will always be sovereign and mightier than any raging sea, any warring nation, no matter how great their pounding waves may seem to be. And of course, there will come a day when the raging seas will be calmed forever. 
Secondly, David says the voice of the Lord breaks and breaks into pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Isn't this a picture of God humbling the lofty and the proud and ultimately cutting them down in judgment? Sadly, there are too many people in this world who willingly ignore the voice of the Lord and instead see themselves as being self-righteous, self-important, self-proclaimed, self-made, tall, lofty and proud, just like those cedars of Lebanon. But listen to what the voice of God has to say in Isaiah 2. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and the lofty. For all of the cedars of Lebanon, tall and lofty, will be brought low and human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Next time we experience a thunderstorm, perhaps we can embrace it differently. Instead of fear and trepidation, perhaps we, like David, can experience it by acknowledging the might and the power of our almighty God and that we would have complete assurance in the sure knowledge and truth that he, our God, is in control over all things. And so, for all warring nations, for all of those intent on causing chaos and destruction, for those who see themselves as being tall, lofty and proud, we continue to pray. Let us always pray that they will hear the voice of the Lord, that they will repent and turn away from these things, that they will seek peace and humility, that they will put their faith and trust in the one who, when the storm rose up on the Sea of Galilee, rebuked the winds and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Over to you, Jenny. Jules has just spoken about the voice of the Lord and I now want to talk about how this psalm instructs us to give glory to God right at the start of the psalm. So verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 29 say, Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. So to ascribe or give glory to God is to recognise and proclaim what he has already done. The glory belongs totally to God. This reminds me of the song, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. God's original plan was for his people to reflect his glory. Although humanity did not keep to that plan, God's purposes are not lost. And God wants us to glorify God in all we do and say. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 says, And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is his Spirit. So how can I and how can you give glory to God? I've got three suggestions of ways to bring glory to God using our minds, words and actions. Number one, sing praises. 
I often seem to have a song, hymn or chorus going round and round in my mind. And I do think that this can be helpful to focus our minds on things above, not on earthly things. One of my favourite hymns that I've had since I was a child is To God Be The Glory. The chorus of this hymn says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. So I'd encourage you to find songs which focus purely on God and his character and what he's done for us. Secondly, thanksgiving. The more we are thankful to God for what he has done, for what he means to us and how he's been working in our life and those around us. And as we appreciate the beauty of creation all around us, then God will receive more glory from this. So how will we respond today? In 1 Chronicles 29, 14, David's prayer of praise is recorded. Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendour for everything in heaven and earth is yours. What an amazing prayer of thanks. It makes us think, doesn't it? Thirdly, testimonies. Sharing thoughts of how God is speaking to you and writing down how he's used you in a particular way, whether at school, work or in the community, can then be a useful way of sharing these thoughts with others and this can only bring glory to God can't it so maybe that's something for us to consider this week writing down what God has done for us and sharing it with those around us I'll just close by reading the final verse of the psalm the Lord gives strength to his people the Lord blesses his people with peace <laughs>